Hello and welcome to the Matt Hummer podcast, episode 119. I'm Mo and you're L. How the hell are you, L? I'm doing really well, thanks. We just had a massive thunderstorm here and I loved it. Yeah, I think we inherited it from you because uh, it just hit me about half an hour later and it was fucking awesome. I could hear Thor losing his shit outside and I loved it. So Love me good. a good thunderstorm. Um, before we crack on, don't forget everybody, you've still got about a week or so to pick up the latest issue of Metal Hammer. I'm talking about our uh, special Paul Gray tribute uh, to commemorate 10 years since we lost the great man. Slipknot's iconic bassist and uh, vital founding member. Um, yeah, Elle did a fantastic feature on that. It's still out now. You can still pick it up. It comes with some cool extra goodies as well. Loads of great stuff in there. Uh, so don't forget that you can pick that up in UK shops or online from tinyurl.com slash by hammer. Uh, and then we're unveiling our brand new issue next week. Um, but in the meantime, yeah, go pick it up if you haven't yet. Uh, man, what do you think of Download TV then? Let's just get on with this because... I think no one knew quite what to expect. It was supposed to be download last weekend. Uh, and so download put together this big kind of TV show slash documentary slash archive footage thing. Um, and if nothing else, I think it just felt really nice to feel like everyone was watching something together. Do you know what I mean? Cause we've had so little of that. I definitely say that. Yeah. It was really nice. Like we did a zoom chat on Friday, didn't we? Mm. Us and Steve, us, and Steve, Louise, Louise, and our art editor. Someone else who doesn't work here now. <laughs> <laughs> no, we made our names. But uh, yeah, no, a few of us all jumped on a Zoom together and watched. That was fun. And then on Saturday and Sunday, we were sick of each other, so we just watched it by ourselves. <laughs> but um, I was following on Twitter, obviously, the hashtag download TV. And actually, we were WhatsApping as well when we were watching it. And it was cool. It was nice seeing everyone's reactions. And there were so many pictures and messages on Twitter and Instagram that I was scrolling through while the coverage was on. And so many people were sharing memories of past downloads, talking about the footage that I was seeing right then. And it did feel like everyone, apart from the pandemic, which is obviously the biggest participation event that we've had this yeah. year we're all taking part in the pandemic <laughs> yeah then it was uh the second biggest thing probably that i've participated in in terms of shared communal experiences and the fact that it was streamed all over the world as well and that everybody could tune in and watch it i think they had twenty thousand people or so at one point i'm not really sure of the numbers but there were an awful lot of people watching it and it was really nice like for everyone to have that feeling of being a bit like oh I'm a bit sad you know I should have been at download this weekend to then throw themselves into something where everyone was watching bits and reminiscing and stuff it was a really nice feeling yeah it was really cool so cool to see people like making little download stages in their gardens and all this kind of stuff really shows you what this festival means to the metal and rock community in the UK um it was funny because we were all sat watching it on the Friday and it kind of felt to me and I suspect Elle agrees that um, the Friday felt like, I don't know if it was by chance or design or whatever, but it felt, it felt like it was finding its way a little bit, maybe because we didn't know quite what to expect. I think a lot of us thought they'd be like kind of interviewee, documentary kind of stuff during the day. And then the evening will be just all bands uh, playing classic sets. But the evening was actually a mixture of talking head stuff, um, uh, like uh, exclusive new interviews with bands, some bands doing brand new stream sets, some archive content and um, they had stuff with like people from the download message board and fans who had done something special or meant something special to the festival. So it was a really weird kind of patchwork 
uh, presentation, which maybe wasn't quite what we were expecting. And I think it took a little bit of a while for us to get our heads around and we were kind of like, oh, this is a bit weird because you're kind of having a few beers and you're ready to like just rock out to some kiss. But then there's an interview and then there's a bit of lacuna coil and then there's some motionless and white and then there's another interview and then there's this stuff. So that first day felt like we had to kind of get our heads around exactly what it was. Is that fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. I was expecting, they put a schedule on the website, but it was very loose. And I was expecting it to be more kind of scheduled. Like you would have younger bands at the beginning of the evening, like you would on the small stages. And you've had old, older bands at the later end of the evening. And it would all be kind of archive footage from download. And like you said, Merlin, it wasn't really like that. It seemed to be kind of the bands were in a slightly random order. Mm. Some songs were half shown, some songs were fully shown. Bands would kind of come back in and out. There'd maybe be a song from a band and then a song from the same band later on. So it was, yeah, at the beginning, it was like trying to wrap your head around it a little bit. Um, but I think after that, the overriding feeling was it's really nice that there's something and it's really yeah. nice that we remember what the community is like and what the festival is like. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, to me, uh, the, I want to quickly shout out whoever it was on the YouTube comments as well that pointed out during my interview bit that um, it was a joke that the editor of Mel Hammer had to ask permission from his mum to go to a, to a festival. I was fucking like 19 or something, all right? I wasn't talking about when I was actually the editor of Mel Hammer. It was like 13 years ago. Okay, alone. Merlin. You can let go of the hate you've been holding on to for several days about that comment on YouTube. You can just let it go now. I just was. Let there, it was go. Some, there was some feistiness in that on those YouTube comments, wasn't there? It's like <laughs> there's some stuff going on there. I was like, oh guys, come on, let's all be friends. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff. And there was um, a lot of like download stuff as well. There was a lot of butt scratcher and things like that. There I was, think, yeah, that was cool. It was a little bit disappointing on the Friday, I think, like we were saying, not really knowing what to expect. It felt at times like a little bit of a letdown. A lot of people were yelling deftones, deftones, deftones. And then we didn't get any deftones till right into the end. I think it was two songs. And I think some people were expecting it would be, you know, like a full deftone set and that kind of thing. Um, Totally. Was that that Friday? That was Friday, wasn't it? But then then when they did show Deftones, I was like, oh, it's Deftones, yeah. (laughs) And then I was really excited. And, and also, I think they showed like a Maiden song and a System song on the Friday as well. So I was a bit like, oh, is it like everything's on all days? Like what's going on? And I don't know. I can imagine that trying to get all the rights signed off to yeah. show what they wanted to show could have been a nightmare. I don't know that. Like someone from Download or Live Nation could, could clarify that, of course, because I don't know what. I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to that kind of stuff. But Knowing what we know about having to put together stuff for Hammer sometimes and CDs and that kind of thing, like rights issues can be a really big thing. So yeah, exactly. Um, that's probably why not all the performances were from Download itself. There were some of Gajira at Red Rocks, which is incredible. I could watch that all day, every day. Yeah, that was amazing. I'm really glad they included that because that was such a beautiful set. Red Rocks is just like, apart from Madison Square Garden, I've never had another venue where I've been like, I want to go there somehow, some way. So, so badly. And Deft- uh, Deftones, Gajira actually had that set up, if you're a fan, you'll probably know, a couple of weeks ago, they had it online for one day only. And it was such an amazing show and it was cool to see that. And there are a couple of other bands that had submit their own footage. There was one, I can't remember which band it was now, one from the Underworld in London and some other bits and pieces. And um, uh, Was that Holding Absence? Oh yeah, it was Holding Absence, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or maybe Loathe might have done something, I can't remember. There it was, was so much holding, stuff, wasn't there? Absence were at the Underworld. Um, and yeah, it was just, that was cool to see. Like it didn't matter that it wasn't all from download because it was still live music and it was nice to have a mix as well. Yeah, definitely. And and it's funny because, you know, so the Friday, as we said, we kind of got left a bit like, 
okay, that was interesting, you know. Um, and we did get some kiss at the end, and that was like, yeah, all right, I'm 10 beers in now, let's go. <laughs> you know, so that felt good. But, you know, it was kind of like, oh, okay. And then knowing what to expect, for me, made the Saturday and Sunday way more fun. And to be honest, I actually thought the Saturday was fucking brilliant because there was... Wonder why. More... Wonder why you thought that. Well, yeah, okay, fair enough. But even trying to be neutral for, from it, um, it just felt like it flowed better. It felt like it was structured more. Like you, um, you saw there was like a couple of Gajira songs and there were like three Killswitch songs and there was a couple of Mastodon songs, I think. Um, and then near the end, you got like a good wedge of like five Alter Bridge sets. I mean, I'm not even the biggest Alter Bridge fan, but it felt like a proper build up to a festival, you know. Um, and they still had like interviews and stuff to talk about here and there. It was cool. But then the main event of the weekend they, had, they did an hour of Maiden stuff, of classic Maiden material. And what made it so good is that if they'd just been like, all right, here's Maiden, Run to the Hills, uh, Number of the Beast, The Trooper, blah, 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 blah. That would have been still great. But uh, that still would have been great, I should say. But um, the, the songs they picked to show from Download Across the Years were so cool and so unexpected. They did like Children of the Damned, Phantom of the Opera, uh, blood brothers like all these really cool slightly deeper cuts that actually had me like act, feeling like i was at a gig you know when a band plays a song you're not expecting you're like oh no way and um i actually got a bit emotional at one point when they were playing blood brothers uh i you know it really kind of maybe for the first time properly hit home what we're all missing and what we're kind of you know not just mute live music but that basic kind of connectivity between people and uh yeah i'm not afraid to say i had a little had a little cry on my sofa watching Iron Maiden with a beer on Saturday night. But yeah, I thought that overall, I thought the Saturday was way, way better and really kind of made me feel like I'd been part of some kind of festival experience. You know what I mean? I liked the Disturbed set on the Saturday, Sunday as well. They had, it wasn't a set, but they had a couple of songs. They had interviewed David Draymond and they showed The Sound of Silence. He talks in the interview about how The Sound of Silence is really affecting, even though it's like loads of metalheads in a field everyone kind of really appreciated it and he talked about that particular moment and then they showed that and that was really nice and you could see people getting like really really like totally into it and mm. sort of everyone could remember that moment when they were there so that was a cool one I enjoyed that yeah that was cool I thought yeah Sunday I thought was really good as well I have to be honest the system of down footage they showed on Sunday didn't make me gutted that I was missing them this year um they showed some of the older stuff where Serge used to really play around on the vocoder synthesizer stuff. And that, you know, when Serge had like his hair really grown out and stuff in the mid 2000s, mm. like that was quite a cool era. So I quite enjoyed seeing some of that. And it was nice to see footage from the old downloads as well, just as a general aside um, of the different layouts they had. Cause when they had it, uh, when it was like the left side of the stage was like a big hill um, back in the original days. Like it was really cool seeing that again. Cause I kind of almost had forgotten exactly how it looked. So that was nice. And yeah. And you had to go around the back of, the stage to get to the smaller stages and you had to sort of go up the bank sort of thing and like down the bank again and stuff and round it yeah it was really that. cool um and yeah so i thought sunday was good fun i thought the corn stuff was great i loved that oh i loved that so much it was so good and they picked like freak on a leash and oh what did they pick from issues that made me tweet about issues i can't remember which song now uh falling away from me yeah that was great and uh, shoots and ladders as well which is cool where they showed the thing where jonathan actually comes out with the bagpipes at the start of the set and all that so that good 
I would have loved to have seen more of that. It's a shame there wasn't some kind of vote. I mean, again, there's probably like rights issues, but and it's too complex. But I would have loved it if there's like a voting system and you could like vote for your favourite songs and that kind of thing. That would be cool. That would have been cool, actually. Um, <laughs> although I imagine we probably still would have got Freak on a Leash. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 100%. I know Metallica in the middle of a massive uh, song tournament on Instagram. Um, and it kind of reminds me of when they did the pick your own sex. It's like, oh, well, I guess it's nothing else matters and enter Sandman in the final. <laughs> you know, it's just so predictable. Uh, but yeah, I thought, yeah, I thought the Sunday was good fun as well. As I say, the system footage, man, some of those later sets, they did not look up to it. And I remember kind of thinking that at the time, but I still enjoyed and vibed with it. But yeah, system of a down. That was a band that is uh, in an interesting situation in recent years. And that's before we even start and all the shit John says. So we're not <laughs> going to go there today. I really enjoyed the Radio and Rock show special they did afterwards as well. Some oh. of it was literally just songs by the bands, but it was just nice to hear them. You're like, oh, I like this band. I like this song. You know, like, it oh, was nice. a little, like a little after show party almost. Excellent. I made a chocolate cake and listened to it. It was very nice. That's the Sunday dream. Shout out Daniel P. Carter, <laughs> good friend and occasional contributor of the magazine uh so yeah well done download fair play i can't imagine that was an easy thing to pull together and just when it seemed at one point that it was like well, i'm not totally sure this is clicking um they turned it into a really really cool weekend where it really felt like everyone was united and lord knows we all need a bit of that right now and they raised money for nhs charities as well yes very well pointed out yeah there was you could donate throughout the whole thing there were all little messages coming up showing you where you could donate to nhs charities so all for a good cause as well which is what it's all about more unity needed. Uh, loads of stuff. Speaking of unity, <laughs> hey, uh, Machine Heads have a new single out out of pretty much nowhere. Um, what do we they think of this? Do. Machine Heads featuring Jesse Leach, the one and only Jesse Leach. New single called Stop the Bleeding. Uh, it is inspired by the death of George Floyd. Uh, and it's one of two new Machine Head songs that are appearing on a digital single called Unrest. And the other song on the, uh, on the digital single is called Bulletproof. And that was another protest song. This one partly inspired by the murder of another unarmed black man, uh, Ahmed Arbery, uh, at the hands of white supremacists in February 2020. Uh, heavy, heavy stuff um, from Rob Flynn here, which we probably shouldn't be too surprised by when we look at where he's come from and the stuff he's written about before. Yeah, I think he's got more and more... Um more and more incensed really and more and more is I think I feel like he's turning into more and more of an activist I'd be interested to talk to him about this because I feel like he's become more and more outspoken he's going to more protests I've seen that he went to one in Sacramento recently a Black Lives Matter protest he released the song Bastards you know he's had a bit of pushback from his fan base who think he's being too kind of left-wing snowflake or whatever Critics the political. Mm. Yeah, so he's had quite a lot of pushback, but it's clearly stuff that is very important to him because it's he's really run with it and he's really committing to showing the world that he is supportive of protest, he's supportive of the Black Lives Matter movement, he obviously wants to use his platform to make a change. And so this music feels very um it, fe- it feels like of course it's something he's done you know it feels very kind of normal for what he's doing right now but i think he's i think more and more and more as he's got older he sort of wants to use his platform for change so it's kind of interesting that he'll come out and just do something um out of the blue it's it's sort of expected and unexpected at the same time you kind of expect that he's going to write this way but it's unexpected when the songs just keep showing up and you're not expecting them 
Mm. And uh, I'm not sure how Jesse got involved on the song, but they obviously filmed the video together. They're both separate, but they're on like railway tracks and kind of screaming the lyrics. And um, I think it's cool they're putting music out at a time like this because, um, you know, everybody's, there's, again, there's a, an ongoing discussion in the sort of broader sphere about how even though arts and culture are generally sort of um, not always giving the funding needed or not always seen as essential services at a time like this, people are turning to arts and culture and it's cool that they're producing music that people can listen to at a time like this. Yeah, definitely. It's an interesting song as well. And uh, it kind of, I was trying to put my finger on what the track reminded me of because it's, I mean, it's got those big machine head moments in there, that breakdown, that big groovy breakdown in the middle couldn't come from any other band. Um, and I think Rob and Jesse just both sound great, two of the greatest metal frontman ever. Um, but it's kind of got this kind of, it's not even polished because it's been obviously thrown together um, a little roughly, but it's just, it's got, it's got this kind of like streamlined, like more simplistic, high octane vibe to it. And it actually, there's, pit, there's bits of the song that actually remind me of some Bullet for Valentine tracks. And often if you say something like that in metal, that's like some big insult because bullet, bullet, but I don't really mean it as an insult at all. I just think it sounds like a really simplistic, catchy metal song, which I mean, Machine Head write catchy songs, but especially in recent years, a lot of their songs are more expansive and kind of rumble into all these different things and have tempo changes and like riffs flying in everywhere. Whereas this feels much more no nonsense straight ahead. I mean, it's only about three and a bit minutes long or something, I think. I'm going to come in with my expected but unexpected line again, because yeah. I, feel, I feel like uh, maybe some of that stuff isn't expected. But if you look at Catharsis, then maybe it's very expected because Catharsis feels sure. like this very freewheeling album where Rob was like, no, I'm just going to do old school machine head. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to like take off the stabilizers or whatever, wheel down the hill, have a good time, like do old school metal and just go with it. And the stuff that he's released since as well has sounded like that to me. It just sounds like him just kind of going, fuck it, I'm just gonna do what I want, when I want and release it. And this is where I'm going with it. It feels very much like, um, you know, unrestricted. Like he's not he's not thinking about um, how this applies necessarily to somebody else or whether he's got any sort of constraints. It's like, I wanna do this, I'm just gonna do it. And that sort of seems to be the vibe that he's in right now. Mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um yeah it's a cool it's a cool track and i think it's uh yeah machine heads to kind of go on from what you're saying machine head is such a vessel for rob that it's if it, like everything they put out is such an immediate insight into where he's at isn't it like mm-hmm. you can just see like i mean i know it's always a band effort to some degree but it always feels like it's reflecting of where he's at totally um, and you know i i i can see I don't even want to say I, I can see why people complain. I acknowledge that people complain when bands get quote unquote political. Although for me, it is absolutely ridiculous to complain about Machine Head being political. I've like, listened to burn my eyes. That's just an insane thing to say. Um, but, you know, but we live in a time where a lot of people are, are needing support and a lot of people need to, to stand up and, and try and make a difference. And Rob's doing that. And um, I, I, I have to applaud him for being unafraid to kind of put his head up there and just say, no, I'm, I'm speaking up about this. Knowing full well that you might lose fans to it as well, which, is not, you know, there might not be people who wants to keep his fans. I don't know, but. Yeah. I think that's the thing as well. Not only that, but like, um, not being afraid to do it, even if he gets things wrong, you know, he just yeah. kind of goes, 
if he does get things wrong, he's just kind of like, yeah, I got this wrong. Like he's, he's very much um, unselfconscious about what he puts out, I think. But then he's willing to say whether, you know, he thinks something is a good idea or not, really. Yeah, definitely. I think, um, yeah, that's really, really cool that he does that. Because, you know, as, as the discourse around things like the Black Lives Matter movement and these awful uh, deaths that we've seen in the States continues to progress, you know, a lot of people are learning about how to rethink how they talk about these things and there's going to be mistakes made and all the rest of it. And it's really cool that Rob's willing to just say, you know, he might not always get it right, but he's always willing to, to stand up for what he believes in. Um, what else has been going on this week though? Uh, did you see that? Um, did you see any footage of that Doro driving concert? I did. Yeah. It was crazy. Like she's sort of going around singing for Emma and fist pumping and walking off the stage and walking towards cars and all the people beside the cars are sort of like moshing next to their cars and trying to sort of interact with her, but like at, you know, two meters <laughs> distance. And they're like, yeah, I'm really excited. And it's sort of this weird social distancing, moshing at a gig with cars, but um, it looked really cool. They had like pyro, there were all these cars in the field. Also the people they showed on the camera, I mean, they were at the front to be fair, but they look so into it. And it's like, if you've not been to a gig for ages and then you just get to be at a gig, like that must be really cool. Yeah, definitely. It's uh, It must be a good feeling. I'm not sure that driving gigs will last beyond the kind of initial novelty. They're kind of like Zoom quizzes. <laughs> it's like everyone's all about it at first. And then after a couple of weeks, it's like, no, oh, I don't want to do this again. You get a bit of fatigue. You're like, yeah, I want to see everybody, but do I want to stare at a screen for three hours again and answer some questions? Yeah. Do I want to drive all the way to a gig and then have to like stand by my car and just be with my car at all times? Like, It's better, you know... It's better than nothing, but it's not a hundred percent ideal. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm more like, I, I, if the, if we can make them happen in the UK, let's do it because um, a lot of us are definitely gagging to be able to find a way to do gigs by hook or crook somehow. Uh, what else? Is that why you ever picked up driving again, Merlin? I have. Yeah, I went out. I've drove my car. Well, it was not even my car. Co-insured on my sister's car. Uh, drove it around for the first time in 10 years yesterday <laughs> it was weird it was weird not if we never drive through a gig car. then you're gonna have to drive i'm gonna get in the back of the car yeah that's fine back of the car put a mask on we'll be good <laughs> <laughs> i'm still staying safe um tell us about this thing that undecided doing the brilliant underside who we've covered quite a lot in the magazine yeah so just briefly in case people don't know who underside are they are a metal band from nepal very sort of modern, slick sounding metal band. And they have a festival in Nepal called Silence. And they've set it up over many years to evolve into what it is now. And they gather together a lot of acts from Nepal and surrounding countries like India. And then they try and get like a big international headliner. So last year they had Testament, I actually went the year before that, I think it was, and I saw Cancer Bats headline. And they really bring the community together, the metal community in Nepal for this one big shared event, which gets people all excited and inspired about the scene. And it's an amazing experience having been there. It's just an incredible festival run by people who are super, super, super passionate and some fantastic bands as well. So previously they've raised money for um, their country before. So in 2015, there was an earthquake and they raised some money to help rebuild houses 
that had come down during that earthquake because Nepal suffered really, really badly. And even when I went there a few years later, you could see the damage. So they're always really keen to give back to their community as well as supporting the metal scene. And unfortunately, with the COVID-19 crisis, there's a huge problem with migrant labourers coming from India back into Nepal to try um, and basically help contain the virus. They're all kind of coming back from India into Nepal, trying to reach their villages. And obviously they don't want to, um, you know, spread the virus or any of that stuff. And everybody's, um, you know, trying their best to stay uh, you know do social distance distancing and all that but it's obviously very logistically difficult and at the moment there is a lot of people at the India Nepal border who haven't got access to food and water which is a really really big problem so they're raising money to try and get supplies down to these people who are coming back to their villages and they've set up a website it's called Messel for Nepal and on there they are selling t-shirts they're selling prints digital and physical and they're doing an auction and they've got a donation page. So uh, I'd really go and check that out, Metal for Nepal. There's a website, there's a Facebook, there's an Instagram. And obviously a lot of people are um, doing funding campaigns at the moment. There are a huge amount of places, um, you know, kind of in need of funds right now. Um, but even if you can go on there and share that with other people and make people aware of it, that would be awesome too so basically it's just a huge fundraising effort to try and get some just some simple food and water to people who are stranded at the border wow yeah that's a that's a very very important cause for sure and uh yeah as i said you can um if you kind of look up metal for nepal you can find it or we've got some info on the metal hammer website as well um ramstein i've been working on new material in lockdown i struggle to believe this headline is as legit as it first reads to be is honest. it april but, fool's day is it yeah. actually april like we haven't left the house for weeks maybe it's just april still oh god it feels like it could be to be honest it could, is it still april 1st or is it april 1st 2021 i just don't know <laughs> i don't know either uh yeah drummer christoph snyder told radio rodeos the boss host show uh, we still have so many ideas lying around, so many unfinished songs. We met and we're working on new songs. We want to work on songs, but whether it's going to be a new record, nobody knows. I struggle to believe Ramstein are going to have a new record out anytime soon. <laughs> despite this, I mean, I mean, maybe Christoph is like doing some stuff by himself, a bit like maybe, you know, Danny Carey from Tool is doing some stuff by himself. But the amount of people that are in that band, and even if it's lockdown, like they all have various families and responsibilities and side projects they each has various families <laughs> <laughs> each of them has various families but you know i could see if it was richard crusp working on some new material for his project or if it was till working on something for lindemann but i don't know it's very hard to believe that all of ramstein are getting on a zoom chat and writing some new ramstein material could you imagine the Zoom backgrounds on a Ramstein Zoom chat? <laughs> <laughs> Fire. <Billies> everywhere. <laughs> Fire and Fire. cock. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but it must be pretty weird. I mean, I had tickets to see them in like three days or something in Coventry. Yeah, of course. And our online editor of Classic Rock, Fraser, he texted me today with being sad. He was meant to see them today in Belfast. So they were meant to bring over their whole massive production to the UK. So when you've built up that kind of momentum and got that all going on in mind, it must be super, super weird to then stop and have nothing. But 
I just, I'm very skeptical about new material. Yeah. Although, hey, if anybody could ever prove us wrong and do something unexpected, it's those lads. How good uh, would it be if after 10 years, like the first album in 10 years, there's like nothing, and then they just released a bunch of songs like this year or something? Be so Honestly, that would be so cool. I'd, I mean, it's, obviously, it's very difficult for a band like Ramstein to do that, but fuck me, that would be so great if they did that. Um, one band that definitely do have something new coming out, or at least a new release, is Metallica. Uh, Lars Ulrich confirmed on Jimmy Kimmel Live that they are releasing the uh, much-anticipated and I think we've probably thought inevitable S&M 2 box set. Um, it's going to come later this year. Uh, he uh, he did a really cool thing. I don't know if you saw it, but he did a really cool thing on Jimmy Kimmel Live when he surprised uh, a health worker who's a massive um, Metallica fan. I did see that, yeah. Absolutely love it. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, he also kind of... Um, kind of almost like unofficially announced or surely it's officially announced if Lars Ulrich says it but he says there's an SNM2 thing coming anyway but uh, I'm very excited about that having been lucky enough to go I don't know if I've mentioned before um, I am yeah <laughs> really Tell us I've never heard about it <laughs> I spent about eight hours reviewing it uh, yeah just one of the best gigs I've ever been to and very excited to be able to relive it all over again um, yeah we'll have much more on that in due course I am sure Right, it's a big one for Album of the Week this week, and it is uh, well overdue in many ways, because it is an album that was supposed to be out, I think, at least a couple of months ago now. Um, we did a cover on it, uh, and then the album got pushed back, but it is finally out this Friday. I'm, of course, talking about the self-titled album from the one and only Lamb of God. Um, what do you think about where Lamb of God have been on the last couple of records? Obviously, we know that if you take the last 10 years, the big thing is, of course, Randy's uh, situation in Prague. But in terms of musical output, where do you kind of think about where they're at heading into this record? Hmm, it's a hard one, isn't it? Because it feels like the stuff they've put out has had some real moments of brilliance and has been really cool. But it's been very Lamb of God as well. So if you like Lamb of God, you'll like it. And that's great. If you don't like Lamb of God, you're probably not going to come in the door and listen to Lamb of God. So it seems more like... I don't know. I mean, we were just talking about Machine Head and they obviously did that thing where they decided not to play any more festivals or do support slots. And they're just going to have their own headlining shows and like play for two or three hours or something. It feels almost like Lamb of God now are, we are Lamb of God and we have Lamb of God fans and we do Lamb of God stuff. It seems kind of more focused on that, if that makes any kind of sense. No, no, I, I, I totally agree. It's it's weird to think that if you discount um, uh, Legion, the um, the Burn the Priest thingy did, they did, Lamb of God have only put out, uh, before now, two new albums of original material in the last 10 years, mm. which is not very prolific. Um, and they're totally at the stage of their career where they could, where they could do that, which is fine. Um, but not only is this their first album, in first proper album in five years, but of course it's their first album since Chris Adler departed, first album with Art Cruz officially on drums. Uh, so I think there's a lot riding on this in terms of whether, you know, they can kind of propel themselves into this next chapter of their career. Um, and, you know, kind of going into what you said, I've listened to this album a few times now. I have to say, we got it through a few weeks back. Uh, in fact, we were still in the office when we got this. I think we were still in the office. I was thinking it was a really long time ago. It's yeah. probably like three or four months or something at this God, point. That's crazy. Um, yeah. And to be honest, because, you know, the Code Orange album was on and the, the Trivium album was on and the Cavellatech album was on, I listened to this album a couple of times and I didn't really go back to it, which I don't think is an amazing 
initial sign of a Lamb of God album um, because of what you just said out. It, it was like, yeah, this is Lamb of God and it's really good. And hooray for Lamb of God because they are one of the best metal bands ever and this is them doing what they do. But I have to say, since I've come back to it, I find myself liking it more and more every time I go back. And actually now, um, there's some fucking great stuff on this record. And uh, yeah, I've been really, really enjoying it. Um, I mean, if you just kind of take it from the top, I know a lot of the singles are obviously out there already. Um, I love the first track. I just think it's fucking monstrously good. I mean, when I first heard that song, I was like, oh, this album's going to be amazing. And then at first I thought maybe the rest of the, um, maybe the rest of the record wasn't going to live up to it. But um, what's it called? Memento Mori. Sorry, my mind went blank. Uh, yeah, Memento Mori, the first track I think is absolutely just as good as Lamb of God get. Fast-paced, angry, urgent, groove-heavy, um, just ferocious track. Absolutely love that. I love um, him doing that spoken word stuff as well, almost like spoken word poetry at the beginning and yeah. having the children's voice whispering in. Like it gives it so much more atmosphere than if it was just like a straight-up banger. Yeah, definitely. It, it just builds and builds and builds so that when you finally get that, that release of like riffs, it's just so, so good. Uh, I think Gears as well is a massive tune, really anthemic, really cool. Um, I think you really hear Art's uh, impact on the band come in. Um, the, the kind of the, that after the first couple of tracks as well, like Reality Path, I think it's a really big tune. And like Art's drumming on that is just magnificent just like full-on machine gun relentless blast beats and all sorts of shit going on really really cool um he's got some he does some interesting stuff in new colossal hate uh this kind of off kilter almost like polyrhythmic kind of things going on there which i really like um and then also you've got these big sweeping riffs um uh i love the kind of breaks into like thrash metal that this track has as well i think that's a kind of common thread with lama god a lot of the time they kind of go into these big thrashy bits um and then, yeah, and then from then on in, there's just loads of other little bits and bobs that I really enjoyed, to be honest. Um, we know about the Chuck Billy track, Roots, because uh, that was released already, but I, I think that's a really good song. I love how uh, Chuck Billy sounds kind of almost like ethereal, weird kind of spiritually presence hanging over the the, rec- the um, song, the way they've like put him on there. Um, yeah, Powerhouse Drums from Art Again on that track. Uh, I love the blast beats that smash through the verse. There's all these cowbell things going on in the background. It just feels like there's so much going on in the drumming. And I don't know if that's because Art feels like he's got a point to prove, but it feels like he's really digging deep and just throwing everything out there on this track, which is great. Um, what did you think of Jamie Jaster's cameo on Resurrection Man? Uh, I thought that's Jamie Jaster. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I really have a strong opinion on it. Um, I just kind of thought, oh yeah, that's Jamie Jaster. I knew he was on one of the songs that he is being Jamie Jaster. Um, that song is like a really um, heavy, aggressive song. Like it comes in and Randy just does a bleh, like straight off the bat. Yeah, that's, just, that's wicked. the first thing you hear is just a bleh. And then it's got like Sorry, a it's, it's a It's Poison Dream that Jamie Jaster's on, that Resurrection Man. Okay, well, that, I've got that wrong then. I was just looking at my notes for the resurrection man and talking about that song instead. So no, it, was, it was me. I said, I said it, I said it. Uh, I, I threw the whole thing. Of course. No poison dream has Jamie Jaster. Um, poison. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, 
I mean, that still stands. I just kind of thought that was Jamie Jaster. But if we're going to talk about the Resurrection Man, I liked Randy's Blair at the beginning and the beat down at the end. I thought they were really awesome. <laughs> yeah, that was really, really cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Resur- the little uh, Blair thing is great. I really uh, love a good Blair. Um, I love Jamie's bit in um, in uh, Poison Dream because um, I, I just think it's so funny how this is this kind of, again, this like relentless riff-filled kind of scattershot drums going thrown around everywhere like ferocious performance from Randy and then it just breaks down for Jamie's bit into the most kind of like basic like thuggish hardcore <laughs> breakdown that you could possibly it's wish just, for it's, it's so, so perfect it's so unmistakably him you're just like yeah that's happening that's the thing yeah that's it's great but it's so like you can almost picture him like like kind of swinging his way into the studio or something you know what I mean like because it's just so well done the way he comes flying in um absolutely love that uh, I really love the um, the clean vocals on um, Bloodshot Eyes as well. I thought that was really interesting. Something a bit like, something that Randy's played with before, but something that, I assume it's Randy anyway doing it. Something that he's played with before, but something that really um, sounds really different and adds on a, a nice subtle extra layer uh, that I think really works. Um, and yeah, the, again, the groove on Bloodshot Eyes is just so big. It's just uh, really carries the rest of the album through. Um, I think On The Hook's not a bad track to finish on as well, but I really feel like the album comes to life, um, especially in that kind of, uh, I guess, almost like middle third, you could maybe say, where things really, really kick off. Um, And yeah, as I say, every time I listen to this album, I like it more and more. I probably wouldn't have been speaking super flatteringly of it if we were doing this review, you know, after listening to it a couple of times two months ago. But now I think there's so much to unwrap with it. And um, I think once you really kind of start to dig into Art's performance as well on drums, you really appreciate what he's doing. Um, and I wouldn't say... Also... Sorry, Sorry. I thought you'd finished, Merlin. No, go on. I was just going to say, can I please do Lyric Corner? It was... Yes, please do. <laughs> so I had a similar reaction to you when I first heard it. It was sort of listening to it around the time of other things. There was a lot going on. I thought, yeah, it's cool. It's Lamb of God. And then coming back to it, like you said, there's so much more. And it's really weird now because you can't help but reframe everything in terms of the pandemic and everything that the world has gone through and all the unrest. And obviously Randy's talking about loads of unrest that had already been happening in the world, but it just feels so much more vital now and so much more angry and so much more of a need. Like, you know, he's talking about waking up and basically just how our actions are killing innocent people and we spoke about that in the cover feature you know um we did the cover feature with randy kim kelly went out to uh richmond wasn't it to speak to him i believe you can read that online now you can read that online so there's a ton of stuff in there um talking about kind of the politics behind it but it's just so it's you don't want to say it's almost like it would be really trite to say like he predicted what is happening now because shit has been going on through the ages and it just wouldn't be correct to say it. But when you are listening to something in a different context to how you're listening to it three months ago, it does become more urgent. It does become more aggressive. It does become more prescient. It does become like more of a wake up call and the soundtrack to chaos and all that kind of stuff. And it, it feels really like um heavy. <laughs> yeah. it's really heavy. It sounds like a weird thing to say about a Lama God album, but yeah, I know what you mean. It's heavy in a slightly different way. I mean, obviously with Sturm und Drang, it was the first 
album they'd put out since Randy's um, uh, Issues in Prague, I think, wasn't it? So I think yeah, people were yeah, kind of... Yeah, it was because it had the one about his room number, the yeah, one yeah, five yeah, yeah. with the five in. Yeah. Forgive my terrible memory. Um, and I think it was interesting because people were kind of expecting a certain type of introspection on that album, maybe a more personal thing. And now he's obviously so clearly just taking aim at the, I mean, absolute state that the world is in at the moment. And yet, as you say, this was all written before a lot of the stuff that's going on right now was happening. I mean, when we interviewed Randy Blythe, we went over and interviewed him. It was pre-lockdown. It was pre the explosion of the Black Lives Matter movement. And yet, yeah, it all feels so relevant now. Um, and uh, 512, that's the song I was thinking of, because that was his, yeah. that was the number on his prison door, basically, wasn't it? That song. And, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. But I mean, even on that record, he didn't write the whole record about that experience. And he was quite explicit saying that he wasn't going to do that. Mm. Um, but, you know, he's, he's very tapped into these things. He's very aware of what happens around the world and injustice. And um, so obviously it's very, again, it's not that surprising you'd write a record like this, but it sounds really hard hitting now. Yeah, definitely. And it really works. And um, it definitely adds some more gravitas to the album, which, yeah, I think I think it's a great album. I think I definitely like it a lot more than Sturm und Drang overall. I'm not sure I like it more than Resolution, which I think is a very underrated record in Lamb of God's um, overall catalogue. I think that um, deserves a bit more recognition than maybe it gets. But um, I definitely think it shows uh, a step of forward momentum. And um, yeah, what a brilliant fucking band, <laughs> basically. They just, yeah. no one does it like them and no one does it quite like them. I mean, I said, didn't I, earlier on in the year that the Bleed From Within album really plugs that gap. And um I feel like that album is still giving Lamb of God a really good run for their money with this record, but um, you know you can never have too much good metal, so that's good with me. I feel like this record's more nuanced in a in a really heavy budgeting way. Like you said, there's lots and lots of little things going on in this, um, and there's more to to discover than you think at the beginning. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So if you if you're gonna check this out, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast will be checking out a new Lamb of God album. Um, yeah give it a few spins and let us know what you think over on the Metal Hammer read this group because uh, we both found it was a grower which is you know not something I normally say about Lamb of God Records so I'll be interested to see if you guys feel the same way and uh, speaking of the lovely readers group facebook.com slash Metal Hammer readers uh, we're going to take some questions from there should we take this first one now? yes I'll do a question <laughs> Kevin Tobin asks how do you think last week's download webfest went how would you like to see the Webfest format improve and reach out to a wider audience? Well, you can hear how we thought by rewinding about 40 minutes on this podcast. <laughs> so that's a good start. Um, I mean, a wider audience. I don't know if you can get much wider than a download audience in terms of heavy music. Like the people that go to download are across the musical spectrum and the Webfest was all around the world. So I think you'd struggle to build on that. But um, yeah, I think you could definitely tweak the format and play with that and sort of, you know, it's, it's all early days for this stuff, isn't it? It's all early days for web festivals and live streaming. And um, we'll look back on this in 10 years and be like, oh, that was weird when we weren't used to doing all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, the, the format, I think, um, you know, if I, would, I would like to see something that felt a bit more structured so that it kind of made sense why certain things were going in certain places. I mean, I guess it's different when you're relying on a viewership because you don't want to just have no one tune in for the first bit and then everyone tunes in for the end. But um, I think it would be cool to have 
at least a couple of hours where it's nothing but music yeah um, I would have liked a little bit more curation and a little bit more scheduling and like you said you know I get that if you're too specific with the scheduling maybe people won't tune in and watch the whole thing because they'll literally pick the bit they want mm. so it has to be a bit vague but yeah more of sort of a little bit of a flow in the sure. content and what you can expect and two hours of Maiden next time uh Sam Welch Deftones Disturbed yeah exactly uh Sam Welch asks standard day after download question uh who will be your headliners for 2021 oh and plus follow-on question it's getting cheeky here who are the possible future Metal Hammer cover star and then he puts in brackets we won't hold you to this well that's good to know it's not legally binding not legally binding and you know I'm glad he's recognizing that me saying I would like to put X band on the cover doesn't mean we can just suddenly do it and it's as easy as that um, who would you have downloads? Uh, okay, let's see. Who would we like to see it download next year for a fantasy booking? There's probably oh, a good yeah. chance we might see at least one of this year's headliners, I guess, just because many bands will yeah, post that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what didn't? So the headliners were Kiss and Iron Maiden and System. System. Hmm. Maiden, I think, have said they're not doing any festival dates next year, so we know they're not playing. Well. I would like, this won't happen because they've got their own headline shows, but I'm going to see Ramstein at their rescheduled date. It'd be really cool if they just snuck in another show the week before and were like, hey, we'll do download. But it's very, very unlikely given the logistics of their setup. But, you know, if we're talking fantasy book- bookings, I'd like to see them twice in one week. That would be a good fantasy booking. I'd back that. Uh, we spoke before about Ghost and whether they can sort of step up. That's cool. That'd be good. Gajir at Red Rocks, honestly so good i would love to see gajira headlining download i would love that so much that's a lot of heavy lifting that ramstein's doing on that bill oh is it a bill i thought these were just headliners we wanted no well no that's what i mean that's that's three headliners if you've got three headliners right yeah that's a lot of heavy lifting on ramstein yeah i love gajira and ghost of course well maybe you'd have to just stick metallica in there and then have gajira playing underneath or something yeah that's cool i was because i was going to say ghost as well i I don't feel like it's necessarily quite their time to headline, to be honest, because I don't feel like they've broken through in a way that, you know, Avenged did at one point and Slipknot did before them, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not sure they're quite there yet, but to be honest, you know, they can play, they can play arenas now. They've got a new papa. The next year is going to be really interesting. Maybe it's one for the download after like the end of that album, next album cycle. But if I was just picking a, a random thing, I'd probably put Metallica doing the um, worldwide, worldwide set. It would be really cool if they could find a way to bring that M&A set to download. That would be awesome. Um, okay. So I'd probably pick them, Ghost. And um, if I was balancing it out, I'd probably book someone like My Chemical Romance, but that's a big booking because as we now know, they can sell out like, 80 stadiums in a row so that's probably not an easy booking here's one slipknot 20th anniversary of iowa i would watch the shit out of that i mean that would be perfect that only would be if amazing they all have masks that reference the iowa masks as well how cool would that be that would be really cool they all come on and corey has got that kind of like that og mask with the dreads pulled through fuck yeah that'd be awesome they must have a mask archive where they keep all their masks Surely. I mean, I dare say they can afford to make new ones, but <laughs> like, I think it'd be cool to rub, to... rub some pig's blood on them or something just to make it look like they're old. Yeah, exactly. Easy. Yeah, that would be cool. That's a great shout. I'd love to see that. 
Um, who else haven't we had? I mean, I'd love, you know, I'm not even a big Foo Fighters fan, really, but it'd be cool to see someone like Foo Fighters get a shot. And, and you know, Andy did say in his interview on Download TV that, you know, bands like Foo Fighters and Green Day, he'd like to see it downloaded. So I know it's, I know it's on the agenda and I feel like it would add a bit of a different vibe, which would be quite cool. Um, but yeah, that's some of our ideas. Feel free to steal them or not download. <laughs> do you want to do the next one? We didn't answer about the cover stars, but I'm not sure. I've oh got yeah, we good, didn't. I'm not sure I've got any good ones. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to do this. I'll tell you right now that like, these oh, are all artists, artists that I would like to be able to put on the cover of Metal Hammer. I know number one. I know number one. Go on. I think you're going to say Code Orange. I am going to say Code Orange. Um, <laughs> we wanted to do it. We've had, we've actually had, had, had Jamie on the cover. So we've kind of done Code Orange on the cover. But yeah, we want to do a Code Orange cover at some point. Full transparency, it's, when you're a monthly magazine, it's not as easy as just bunging a young band on the cover and hoping for the best. You will see a drop in sales. You do have to navigate around that. So a lot of things have to slot into place there. Um, but yeah, I'd love to put Code Orange on the cover. I mean, one day, and this is quite far down the line, I imagine, I would love to do a Twin Temple cover. I think that band genuinely have serious potential. Um, Again, they are nowhere near where Code Orange are at in terms of hype and stature and all the rest of it. But in terms of like just seeing a band and thinking, fuck me, imagine the cover we could do with them. That would be cool. I'd love to do a Carpenter Brute cover. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'd love that. Uh, the, colours, the colours and the artwork and stuff would just be so good. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, we've had Gajir on the cover before, but I still feel like they're kind of fresh in the cover debate. I'd love to do them. I'd love to do Architects again. Um, Man, I mean, there's so many great bands that I'd like to put on the cover, but it's it's getting them up to that level that uh, that really counts. You know, there's someone else as well that I always have in mind that I've forgotten who it is. I can't remember now. That's annoying. I mean, if I was just picking bands that... Um, oh, I should just say as well, this is in relation to Download TV. If there was one band that I came out of Download TV being like, God, I love them so much, it's Baroness, because I thought their yeah. streams acoustic set they did was amazing, and then just like um flowing it straight into the highlights of their previous download set i spent the whole next day listening to baroness i would love to do a baroness cover one day because they are a magnificent band i'd love to find a way to make that work as well um and there's others there's plenty others but it's a long old process isn't it uh andy paul asks i've been reading my old 90s issues of metal hammer getting nostalgic at memories of sitting in the supermarket reading it after purchasing while my parents did their shopping that's great um <laughs> i love the fact that his parents would buy him a magazine sit him in the corner and then go do the shopping <laughs> <laughs> uh and it got me thinking what memories do you have of the mag pre-working for it well my main memory of the mag pre-working for it was when i was 18 I entered a competition on the very new Metal Hammer website to go and review the band The Berserker, the Australian grindcore band. And it was a music journalism competition. So somebody would go to every date of the tour and review it. And then the magazine would print the winning review. And that was like the competition prize, basically. And I was obviously like, I really wanted to be a music journalist. And I was already writing for like local magazines and the uni paper and stuff so um i went along to the berserker knowing nothing about grindcore let alone australian grindcore and uh went and reviewed them and that was a very interesting experience 
I had never had Jägermeister before and the tour was sponsored by Jägermeister. So the first thing that happened is I went backstage into the band's dressing room and they gave me Jägermeister and I tried to drink it and I had a coughing fit. So that was really rock and roll. Rock and roll. <laughs> and uh, one of the bands supporting was actually um, a band featuring a music publicist we work with all the time now, Adam Segur. That was his band Lab Rat back then so I met him and some other people I'm still friends with and um it was just mad like if you've never heard the berserker like go <laughs> listen to them it is it's like like I said it's Australian grindcore and at one point they had the fastest drummer in the world as well so it was pretty much like just this onslaught and I only really knew about new metal at this point so I was like wow this is pretty extreme and yeah, so I won the competition and got my review in the magazine. And the way I found out was going to the news agents, picking up the magazine, looking inside and seeing it in there. So that was really nice. And that was... Lo and behold, now you have to contribute to the magazine. <laughs> <laughs> Lo and behold, now I am bound to it legally. Now you are contractually obliged. To my <laughs> uh, that's that's awesome. my biggest hammer memory. So That's yeah. really cool. I mean, like, I mean as you did, I, I read Metal Hammer religiously growing up from the age of about uh, 14 or 15. I can't remember quite when. Um, uh, and yeah, it was, I was a huge, huge fan of it. And I, and I did actually get into the magazine twice as well in the letters section um, in 2003, believe it or not, when they were interviewing AFI on the, um, on Sing the Sorrow, one of the greatest albums ever made. Uh, I sent in a question um, uh, and rather than answer the question, like they, they printed, uh, I used to post on the message board basically, and they used to come in and go, Oh, has anyone got any questions for this band? And I put mine in. So they posed it. And rather than if I answering my question, they all took the piss out of my name and called me a witch. Cheers. You're a witch? Surely it's a wizard. Witch. Yeah, well, I, that's what I thought. They're like, Oh, he's a witch. Ooh. And I was like, Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, lads. <laughs> well, they should, they should have said wizard. They should have apologised for getting that wrong. They should. I got the laugh laugh because now I decide if you get in. Um, and you do because <laughs> you're one of my favourite bands. Uh, and, and I got it another time as well because I took the piss out of Bullet for My Valentine for wearing um, three-quarter length shorts and they printed it in a Spanish Inquisition <laughs> and then they took the piss out of me as well. But I think I've seen you wearing three-quarter length shorts. I don't own any three-quarter length shorts. Just knee-length ones. Just good old fashioned. I mean, I've got slightly longer ones, but I don't have any. I don't have any like that. Not yeah. There's a difference between knee length and sort of cropped ankle length. Yeah, I was never about that life. I was no, never, 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 never. Um, <laughs> anyway, I got. I got nothing against bullet. I was just being a cocky little twat on the internet, and I got called out for it. So there you go. Not much yeah. changes. And now here we are. Here we are. But we're OGs, and we made it. God damn it! And we're keeping going. Uh, one more question. Alistair Belling asks, what are some of the best live DVDs that don't get talked about enough, i.e. Metallica's Cunning Stunts, etc.? Um, yeah, Cunning Stunts is a classic. I actually have uh, most of the Metallica live sets that they've released in the last 10 years or so, and I really enjoy all of them. I think Metallica are one of those bands, Maiden as well actually, where even though they release DVDs for pretty much every tour i just feel like they're always a really interesting look inside where the band was at the time and the songs they're playing and the set list and the show um so i'll play pretty much any there, there is no metallica or maiden live show that i can put on and not enjoy it's, it's impossible for me 
Yeah, I failed on this question because I meant to go in the other room and look at the bookcase and look at all the different DVDs I've got in there and then pick one, but I just didn't. So, uh, I just say Ramstein again, Al. I know what you're going to (laughs) say. The Ramstein one I actually have out because I was using that for research not long ago, or one of the Ramstein ones. Um, Yeah, obviously, like I love, I've talked about before, I love the Jonas Ackerland one, the Ramstein one that's just really interestingly shot. They just like do it really dramatically. The Retinal Circus, Devon Townsend. Um, I went to Norway earlier this year, I think. Yeah, March. Seems like forever. I went to Nesblod, which used to be held at, obviously, the famous black metal um, get-together shop with the basement, the infamous basement. And um, they've got, like, a whole section at the back that was really interesting. It was, like, a little trip down memory lane. It had a load of 90s and early 2000s DVDs, loads of, like, sensory media and earache stuff. And there's so many things you just forget about from that era because that was a time when like dvds were newer and if you wanted to watch something you didn't have the internet and you just pulled out a dvd and um i wish i could remember some of the titles but it was old like yeah just really old lacuna coil stuff or like arch enemy stuff it's yeah there was some really good stuff in there so if you happen to go to norway <laughs> whenever planes come back definitely go and look in there come back planes we forgive you <laughs> <laughs> um Cool. Excellent shout. And yeah, uh, I was annoyed because I went to Norway around the same time you did and I didn't know that that store was only open certain days. So I fucked it and couldn't go. Boo! Oh, you got to get your picture in the basement pretending that you're forming a black metal band. Yeah, exactly. Pretending that I'm totally metal enough to do that. Uh, that is it for this week's show, everybody. Um, we're going to do another Metal Hammer Podcast Hall of Fame next week. Uh, many of you in the readers group may have already seen what the band is. It is Kill Switch Engage. I don't think it's a massive spoiler to say it, looking at the voting and where it's gone. Um, it's going to be between Alive or Just Breathe In and The End of Heartache. I think that might be the most hotly contested uh, album face-off we've done so far. Thought so? I actually don't know what you're going to pick, which is interesting, because we, we haven't discussed it Um and so I don't actually know which one you're going to go for. So I'm kind of curious. We can just not discuss it until it happens. And then we, we won't surprised by each other. Because I know what I'm going to pick. And Steve Hill's going to come in and do it with us. And I know what he's going to pick. So I'm just saying there might be a chance that you might have to have the deciding pick. <laughs> Why do you always do this to me? But, you know, maybe I already know what I'm going to pick. Ooh, well, we'll find out next week. It's a big one. Kill Switch Engage Hall of Fame on next week's show. Uh, in the meantime... Have a wonderful time, everybody, in whatever way you are able to. And happy birthday for Friday, Elle. Oh, thanks, Mel. No problem. Everyone sent Elle happy birthday messages on Twitter. She just got <laughs> over 4,000. Yeah. <laughs> See you next week. Bye.